Uh, it's been my custom for a number of years uh, that the gospel today, which is the, the passion of our Lord, uh, be read at the end of the service rather than at this point. I think it fits so much better because it leads us right into Holy Week. And that way we also don't cut the celebration or the understanding of the coming into Jerusalem uh, that we are still celebrating all the way to the end. Um, I, I think you will appreciate it so much more when it is read at the conclusion uh, of our service. I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles, please. Open your Bibles to uh, the Gospel of Luke, Gospel of Luke, the 19th chapter, 19th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And I ask you to open it so that you can always be in the Word and that you can always be as well uh, recognizing that any time I preach the Gospel, I want you to check it in the Word. Okay? I think it's important. Any preacher you ever hear, check it in the Word. Okay? Everyone. So uh, I think those of us who, who, who preach uh, appreciate it. Because we can make mistakes, and, and I don't want to make a mistake that causes anybody salvation. Amen? So we want to make sure that we are in the Word, strictly in the Word. So I ask you to please open it. Uh, however, I'm, I'm going to ask you not just uh, to have it open and to refer to it, but I want you to uh, use today, I want you to use your imagination. I want you to use that creative spirit that is in all of us uh, and, and at times even allow your eyes to be closed and just hear what it is I'm saying and try to imagine it in your minds. Uh, today in particular, I want to ask you to imagine the city of Jerusalem because that's where we're going. I want you to imagine the city on the hill, the city on Mount Zion, where the temple of God was built. The Passover, the Passover of the Jews, is about to take place just in a few days. We are on Sunday that we call Palm Sunday. It is Sunday, the day that Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem. But in just a few days, the Jews are going to be celebrating Passover. Passover will begin at 6 p.m. of Friday. And go all through the evening until 6 p.m. of Saturday. That's how the Jews counted their days. From 6 p.m. of the day before all the way to 6 p.m. of the following day. The Passover was eaten as a family, it was eaten on Friday evening. The lamb that was sacrificed was shared and received. And the celebration was done on Friday evening. And all through the Sabbath until 6 p.m., the Jews were in, in prayer and in celebration of the Passover of the Lord. The Passover is probably to be considered the greatest and the most important. Of the seven feasts of Israel. 
probably the, the most important one. The one that meant so much to them. By the commandment of God, every Jewish male over the age of 12 was commanded to appear before God in the holy temple of the Lord in Jerusalem at least three times a year. Every male from 12 years of age and above, at least three times a year, they had to go to the temple. One of those days was on the day of Passover. The second day was on the day of Pentecost. And the third day was on the day called Sukkoth, which is the day of tabernacles. Those three days, it was commanded by the Lord that it be celebrated in Jerusalem in the Holy Temple. Passover celebrated the delivery of the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt. Every time they celebrated, they remember there were a people with no land. They were a people with no God. They only had a memory of a God, but not a God that spoke and acted in their behalf. They were a people that were a family, but they were slaves. They had no hope. Their children were born into slavery and died into slavery. For 400 years, at least four or five generations, this was the way it was for the Jewish people in Egypt. And then God showed up. And then God intervened on behalf of his people. And Moses was sent to deliver them, to rescue them, and to bring them to a land they had only heard of. They've heard the stories, just like you have only heard the stories of heaven. And yet, that is home. They had heard of a place promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but none of them had ever visited. None of them had ever gone and come back. They were celebrating Passover and remembering when they were not even a people. And they were to celebrate it every year. And I've, I want you to learn this. Whenever God does something mighty, He always throws a party. And He says, celebrate it every year. Because the day you forget to celebrate it, you forget what I did for you. Every year you remember. Every year it was important. The day you stop celebrating, you will soon forget how I've acted with a Strong right arm in your behalf. In a few days would be Passover. Now I want you to keep imagining the city of Jerusalem. There were two major roads that led to Jerusalem. There was a road called Via Maris. Or the way by the sea. You can see it up on the left hand side 
of the map. It's called Via Maris. Keep going. That road led all the way from the north countries through Turkey and possibly even all the way to Greece and Asia Minor. It was a major travel road, a major place of business. People traveled through that road constantly. It went all the way into Egypt. That was called the Via Maris or the way by the sea. On the right hand side toward the, toward the east is a road called the King's Highway. The King's Highway. The King's Highway went all the way north probably into Persia. Probably into Iran and Iraq and all the way down into Arabia. So that everyone who would come into this area had these this two major trade roads. And they would come from the south into that area through one of those roads. And they would come from the north into that area through one of those roads. Imagine these two roads filled with people who by the commandment of God had to appear in the holy temple in Jerusalem. These were the two major roads everyone had to take, and then there were the tributaries. There is one small road there. Next, next click, please, Lillian. This is where Jerusalem was. One more click, Lillian. That is the road that Jesus was taking from Jericho all the way into the city of Jerusalem. All these roads are filled with people. People coming to celebrate. You remember in the book of Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost? The, the, the apostles are in the upper room. The Holy Spirit falls upon them. They begin to speak in tongues. At least 16 different nations are represented there. And they all hear them speaking in their own language. Because it was a commandment in Pentecost that they also come to Jerusalem. So you can imagine people coming from all over the world. Jews, proselytes, believers in Jehovah God coming into the area of Jerusalem. Roads are filled, perhaps with children as much as 12 years old. Perhaps some wives came along. Perhaps some brought the animals that they were going to sacrifice. They were coming because it was a commandment of God. These travelers were coming with a very celebrative mood. They were coming to celebrate the Lord. They were coming to celebrate what God had done a long time before. They were coming to celebrate. And the closer they got to Jerusalem, the bigger the celebration and the tambourines and the shofars and the, the, the string instruments and the voices that will come together to worship the Lord and praise the Lord. There are five psalms which are called the Hallel Psalms. 
Hallel means praise. Psalm 113 to 118. This morning I got up very early and I said I'm going to read the whole five or six psalms. I'm going to read the Hallel as I prepare myself to worship the Lord today. And I spent time and I read all of them. 118 is probably the longest of them. 117 is the shortest psalm in the Bible. It's only two verses. And I invite you to take time today and read the Hallel and get an idea what the Jewish people were singing and what they were praising. Especially as they come up, they, they come from the mountains on the side, go into the valleys and then start ascending into the hill of God's temple, Mount Zion. And they are called Psalms of Ascension because they are ascending toward the mountain of God. The Hallel Psalms. You can imagine the people singing all these, all these psalms. You can imagine them praising the Lord. And they had come with a wonderful, celebrative mood. But they were also coming, my friends, with a lot of prayer in their hearts. And a lot of expectations. Expectations that perhaps this Passover, God would intervene in our behalf again. Perhaps this is the year that the Messiah will come. Perhaps this is the year of deliverance. And if it's not, we still want to praise God and ask Him that it be next year. You see... The Israelites, after they came from the Babylonian Empire, from the Babylonian exile, they really were never really free again, ever, except for very short times, for very brief times. They came to Judea, sent by Cyrus and by Darius, allowed to come into Judea and rebuild their houses and rebuild their temple, and they lived in peace for a little while. And then the Greeks came along. Alexander the Great, when he pushed the Persians all the way and beat them, and went all the way into India, he also came south toward Egypt, and he controlled and possessed and oppressed the people of Palestine. And the Greeks ruled until Alexander the Great died. And then came the Seleucid Empire. Under Antiochus the, the fourth Epiphanes, who comes to the temple and rides his horse into the Holy of Holies and takes a pig and sacrifices it on the temple of Jerusalem, on the altar of God. And after that, he gave rise to the Maccabean revolt, but they were only free for a little while until the Romans came in. And now, at this time, the Romans are in control. They are once again slaves of the Romans. Allowed to live in the land, but under the control and the power and the laws of Rome. There were a group of people called the Zealots. 
The zealots probably looked at themselves as if they were something similar to the judges of the old days. The zealots were Jews who felt that God needed them in some way to take sword against the tyranny of Rome. God was not necessarily going to send another Moses. God needed to raise an army. And the zealots decided that they were going to overthrow the Romans by power and by the might of the sword. They felt they were doing it for God. They were God's heroes. They too had come to Jerusalem for Passover. You see, they wanted to create as much trouble as they could. They wanted to kill Romans. They wanted to kill Jews that were sympathizers with Rome. They wanted to overthrow the Roman yoke by the power of the sword and thinking they were doing it in the name of God. One of them may have been Barabbas who got arrested for murder and insurrection. The zealots, they are in the city too. They're hiding among the crowds, causing problems. And then, my friends, you can imagine that Rome knows that Jerusalem on this occasion is a powder keg. And the Romans are armed. And the Romans are ready. And the Romans and the legions are there. And they are positioned at strategic places in the city. Near the temple and near other places. Just waiting for any form of revolt to occur. So they can crush it down. They are not going to let the Jews be free. They have no intentions. They're in the city too. Armed to the teeth. With short swords and shields and large swords. They're ready for anything that might happen. And then there are those who pray for the Messiah to come. There are those who come with no intention of revolution. They come to seek God and to pray to God that He be delivering them as He did before. You see... One of the prophets of the post-exilic time, after the exile, there are three prophets that are post-exilic. Haggai, Malachi, and Zechariah. It's what I call the prophets of renewal. The prophets of the renewal movement of Israel. Zechariah in chapter 9 had said this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the fall of a donkey. At least four to five hundred years before Jesus comes into the picture. This prophet is prophesying that the Messiah would come humbly into the city. There are people praying that this be the day. Lord, let this be the day 
Let this be the day that the prophecy of Zechariah is fulfilled. Let this be the day of the Messiah. Now you can imagine. You can imagine the re, how they responded when they see Jesus coming in. Just like Zechariah prophesied. You can imagine the people getting caught up in the enthusiasm of the moment. You can imagine, you know how enthusiasm is like wildfire at times? You see somebody doing it and then everybody joins in and then more people join in and all this thing is going on. They see Jesus coming in with disciples. They know this is the Jesus that they've heard about that did miracles and did teachings and just resurrected Lazarus from the dead. And now he's coming in fulfillment of Zechariah and they're wondering, is this he? The one that was to come. You can imagine how the city is buzzing with all kinds of fervors for liberation, for fulfillment, for God to intervene again. It's like a powder keg in there. And they see Jesus enter in such a way and people get caught up. In the emotion. But you know what? I, I doubt that they really knew that they knew that it was the Messiah. You know, I think sometimes we get caught up in the emotion of things. I'm not, there may have been some that really believed in their heart that Jesus was indeed the coming Messiah. But those that expected a man riding on a white stallion as a general and calling down the horse of heaven, they were disappointed. You know, we get caught in emotionalism at times. I mean, people come to the Lord at times just because you're in a crusade and it's so emotional and the music is fantastic and it touches your heart. And then after the crusade, what? Do we see them all returning to churches? Maybe not. Not all. Some maybe. But look, some of you came to the Lord out of an emotional high. But do you know that Jesus is Lord? I'm seeing these people all caught up in, in the party atmosphere. In the prophetic moment. But I wonder if they really knew that Jesus was the answer to God for their dilemma. Did they know it? Were they convinced of it? If they had been, they would not have cried crucify him just a few days later. They would not. All it took is for the emotion of the moment and the enthusiasm of the moment to kind of go by. And then one person cries, crucify him. And another cries, crucify him. And before you know it, the mob is crying, crucify him. Imagine Jerusalem. Imagine Jerusalem as Jesus is entering this particular day. Some are walking with him. Some could care less. 
I wonder how many people didn't even hear that he walked in. No fanfare. No armies. No processions other than than his disciples around him with palm branches and other people that get caught up on this. I think that's what's happening on the day that we celebrate today. If you can imagine the city, you can imagine families preoccupied with the meal, the Passover meal. If you can imagine people preoccupied as to where they're going to stay. If the place is so full, the inns are filled. There may be people uh, uh, camping on the outsides of Jerusalem. There is a lot of family visiting family perhaps. The city of Jerusalem is one busy place. One busy place. And the people are singing the Hallel. And in particular Psalm 118. Verse 25 through the end of that psalm reads like this. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord and he has given us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. You know what save now means? Or actually the word they used was Hosanna. That's what Hosanna means. Save Lord, save now. Their song was Hosanna. Hosanna to the king that is coming. Hosanna to the one that comes representing the Lord. Save us Lord, save us. Let this be the day of salvation. The day of deliverance. Let this be the day. But did they really know? Did they really know? The question that I would ask you today as you consider Jerusalem, as you consider what's happening. You, you see, I almost see Jesus just being carried in. Like humbly going as a lamb to the slaughter. Just letting the, the, the procession and the donkey do the, the guiding. Allowing the will of God to take place. Letting God's will lead him all the way to the temple. And the question I would ask of you today is this. Is Jesus Christ your king? Is Jesus Christ truly your king? I think people come to church for so many reasons. People come to church because today is a special day. They won't come the rest of the week or the rest of the year. 
But they must come those days, Easter, Christmas, Palm Sunday. They like what churches do on Palm Sunday. They want to come and see. People come sometimes as spectators. People sometimes come to church in some kind of an emotional high. Sometimes people come in church because they need God to touch them in some way or deliver them out of an illness or something. People should come to church because they recognize that Jesus is who He claims He is. Because when you recognize in your life that Jesus is King and Savior and Lord and there is no other that will come that will save you. There is not another that will come. He is it. You will come in surrender. You will come to love Him, to serve Him. You will come committed to Him. Not because it's a special one day a year. You will come every day. You will seek for ways to please Him. You will change your life to the glory of God because you have a King that sits on the throne of your heart. We all have a little throne somewhere inside of us and most of the time it's occupied by us. We set ourselves as our own kings, as our own lords, as our own masters. We make our own decisions in our lives. We only allow the Lord to come in until He becomes uncomfortable. And then we move Him out and we sit in there again. Do you have king in your heart? Is there a king in your home? Is there a king? Jesus Christ, God's King, God's anointed Messiah. Because when that happens, friends, your life changes, entirely changes. It ceases being about you, and it's all about Him. Jesus came to deliver. Not from the hand of the Romans. He also came to deliver the Romans. Jesus came to deliver all sinners. No matter what nationality or what country. Or what color or what height or what color their eyes are. Jesus came to deliver all who have ever sinned and become enemies of God. He came to deliver us from sin. That we may become the righteousness of God. Do you have the assurance of salvation in you? Is Jesus your Lord and your Savior? Or are you just hoping, hoping that what the Bible says might be true? Or do you have assurance in your heart? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came into this world so that He can take away the sins that are in your life, in your shoulders, in your past, in your present, and in your future. Jesus Christ came to take it away that what He gives you is life eternal. And that you can bank on. Today is kind of a strange day. 
It starts with celebration. It starts with lots of enthusiasm. It starts with palm branches. But today will not end the same way. For now, celebrate your King. I pray you hear closely and that your hearts proclaim Jesus Lord. For there is no other name under heaven by which anyone will be saved. No one else. Stand with us, please.